0: This is the BA Coach Podcast, episode number 34. Welcome to the BA Coach Podcast, online at thebacoach.com, helping business analysts take their craft to the next level. It doesn't matter if you are a brand new BA or you've been practicing for many years, there is always something we can all do. To take our BA skills and techniques up a notch. And now, here is your host, author, blogger, musician, and BA evangelist, Yakub Muhammad, also known as Yamo. Hello there, and welcome to the BA Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Yamo, AKA at The BA Coach on Twitter. In today's Bok Talk episode, we have a repeat guest, Jonathan Babcock, enlightening us about a few best practices and requirements, packaging and documentation. But before we get started, I have an exciting news for you. The Ultimate Babock Kit, with all the guides and media to help you demystify the Babock, now has world's first and only CBAP CCBA audio study guide added to it. It was a very unique project that I worked on and, you know, we had engaged three professional voice artists from Cleveland, Vancouver and New York to make this happen. A quick shout out to Alan, Casey and Joe. Thank you, guys. You you guys rock. And uh, two sound engineers from Pondicherry in London, Raj and Andy. Thank you so much, guys. We've spent countless hours to make this a very engaging audiobook. Uh, I will be sharing the first chapter of the audiobook on this podcast feed very soon. So keep a lookout. If you wish to learn more about the kit and download the first chapter of the audiobook, please visit uh, www.theultimatekit.com. So back to the podcast today, which is a Bach talk with Jonathan Babcock. And uh, we deep dive into the section 4.4 of the BABOK, which is Prepare Requirements Package. And we cover topics such as the importance of packaging the requirements in appropriate form, how to focus more on discovery and discussion and less on wordsmithing, the critical path of preparing requirements package, how to enhance team understanding and relationship while preparing requirements package. Discussion on templates, such as BRD, SRS, and use cases. Customizing standard templates and best way to do it. And uh, challenges in preparing requirements packages and how to overcome them. All this and much more in our Bok talk today. So without further ado, here's Jonathan with Prepared Requirements Package. Hi, Jonathan. Hey. Yamo. Welcome to the BA Coach Podcast. Thank you, sir. So, 4.4, Prepare Requirements Package. Um, uh, Let me start off by, you know, stating the purpose of this task, and then maybe we can tackle it from different angles. Okay. So, the purpose, as the BA box states, is to select and structure a set of requirements in an appropriate fashion to ensure that the requirements are effectively communicated to, understood by, and usable by a stakeholder group or groups. I think that's a very comprehensive definition. <laughs> yes, yes. So, um, what is the importance of this task in the context of business analysis, Jonathan? In your experience?
1: Yeah. You well, know, to to me, you know, business analysis is all about you know seeking understanding. We're working with stakeholders to uh, to understand from a business perspective what their points of pain are, and and. Uh, uh, what the causes of those points of pain are, and uh, we're we're trying to—I I guess it's not a very elegant way of putting it—but we're trying to extract that type of information from their minds, mm. and and sort of create some sort of a holding environment, or, and often that might be the requirements package, or it might be a collaboration and discussion of what those needs and what those problems are, and then enable that uh, in as pure a form as possible. Uh, to be consumed by the people that are going to deliver the solution. And so that's, you know, it's really the essence of of, of business analysis. It's about creating that package that includes uh, whatever, you know, combination of text, uh, of visuals, or whatever the case may be that will allow that information to enter into the minds of those that are going to deliver it as easily as possible.
0: So i like to kind of, Play devil's advocate sometimes in between and ask a question: What happened? What would happen in scenarios where requirements are not packaged properly? Have you had any situation that you can graphically recall?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think if you've done this long enough, I think all of us can probably think of situations where you know requirements when not done uh, properly or not given the appropriate attention or uh, the appropriate quality result and. And, you know, either misleading the people that are going to deliver the solution or delivering a partial solution, an incorrect solution. Um, And I I forget who I'd be citing here, but one of the things, uh, a little quote that always stuck with me is that, you know, if a BA gets all the requirements right, it doesn't guarantee that the project is going to be a success. There's a lot that can happen after that. Mm. But if the BA doesn't get the requirements right, then it nearly guarantees failure. So uh, if, if they aren't, you know, captured thoroughly, uh, clearly, and in a manner that can be understood and used, um, yeah, you're, you're looking for trouble.
0: And uh, for the most part, the, the the possible forms that requirements package take are like formal documentation, presentations, or models. So, based on your experience, what seems to be doing really well in terms of uh, the business or the stakeholders acknowledging it and understanding it better?
1: Right. Uh, I'm I'm gonna try not to cop out on here, yeah but uh, what I've found is that whether it's a you know standard SRS uh, you know business requirements user stories use cases uh, whatever the format those are sort of tools in the toolbox hmm. and depending on where you are who you're working with who your stakeholders are uh, any one of those could be the better way of, of packaging the requirements. Now, I, I seem to have a, a partiality towards use cases. I like use cases a lot, and they, they work for me. Uh, but I have uh, provided user stories and worked in a more uh, informal and you know card conversation you know type uh, environment. And I've also done, I think most of us that have done this for a while have done the big thick you know, functional requirements spec, which, you know, can be successful if, if the communication around producing that document is there. So I don't know that I have a favorite. And I think, uh, honestly, that it's important uh, for a business analyst that wants to have a variety uh, and, uh, you know, lots of opportunity. It's good to understand and be able to use each of those types of, uh, of requirements, packages, or deliverables. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I think those are some great points there, Jonathan. The the important thing to also note from the BA box standpoint is, is to is to focus on the inputs because you know, when you look at the inputs for this task, these are like business analysis, communication plan for example, that's where you define how the communication is going to go and, and what is the level of formality that, that's going to be appropriate for your situation. Right. And, and also yeah. things like, you know, if organizational process assets, if, if you've done things a certain way, you, you tend to draw things from that. Ha- has that been more of a trend in, in the projects that you worked on? Or uh, do you try and, and see if, if, if there's a better way to do things or, or a more simpler way of packaging requirements?
1: Well, I like the flexibility of the BA Bach and and I guess we're looking at figure four f- Five, where it talks about preparing the requirements package, mm. and and the various inputs that go into that. Yeah. And uh, as you'll notice, you know, in the uh, in the diagram, the it has prepare requirements package comes before communicating the requirements. And before I really dug in to try to understand, I thought that well, know, yeah, I don't know if I agree with that that it needs to necessarily be linear in terms of preparation of the the of the package comes before communication because to me. Uh, communication is key throughout the entire process but if you do look back at those inputs uh, and 2.4 or the the BA communication plan Mm. yes that is where we talk about who is going to be involved uh, what types of communication will be needed and and why and 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 how it will all be handled so yes I think that uh, you know obviously The goal of preparing the requirements package is to facilitate communication, to enable us to get agreement and to formalize uh, the requirements and get approval and understanding. But the communication of the requirements has to take place, uh, at least where I've seen the most success, is when (coughs) communication takes place all throughout the process of preparing the package.
0: Yeah, and maybe like uh, when the BA refers to the communication, it's the final big bang communication sort of that you do to get the sign-off
1: that's the way i'm yeah that's why you know it's yeah no. that is where we're trying to get the same picture in everyone's mind so we can formalize it agree to it and move forward
0: yeah absolutely and and what you said is perfectly valid too the communication has to be ongoing and it is for the most part right which which brings me to the the next important part of this uh task which is elements that's where uh we we talk about work products as, as being important e- Components of this task. So, uh, in your experience, what have been the most prevalent work products, and and what works the best? Uh,
1: The most prevalent work products, you know, they talk about meeting agendas and minutes. You know, one of the things that I've been most successful with, and uh, I guess I've grown from from prior pain is that one of the problems I would have is I would go off and elicit some requirements as the BA, you know, I'd go uh, meet individually with the various stakeholders, do some analysis and present uh, a draft uh, requirements deliverable hmm. uh, to the team that would, you know, begin working, you know, from it and and reviewing and trying to refine and tweak. And one of the things I found that has helped uh, the most is to really go informal with uh, with some of the earlier deliverables. It seems like when I would bring that first uh, uh, work product that was in the, the company template or whatever, we would focus more on wordsmithing. And we would think more ahead to, okay, what do we have to do to make this thing able to be signed off? And what is the language? You know, focusing on the language more than the understanding. Mm. So really, one of the things I will do is I will bring just a bulleted list to those those first couple meetings. And we will focus more on the discussion, more on the process of discovery more on the process of refining things. So after we've you know, maybe met two or three times or however many times it takes to establish that understanding, when we actually do produce that requirements package, we are not, you know, I'm not presenting new ideas that everyone has seen for, seeing for the first time, but we're really just formalizing the things that we've all been discussing all along and agreed to. So then all we're really doing at that point is agreeing on the language and the format, and it makes it much easier uh, to get participation and understanding and and collaboration around that requirements package
0: absolutely and I think uh, I really love the way you put it Jonathan it's important to go through that progression starting off from your work products establishing that communication cycle in smaller loops and then building like the it's almost like a crescendo into the the final package and uh, just going back to what you said earlier wordsmithing a lot of us tend to focus too much on wordsmithing making it look good making sure everything is perfect right are you you saying that it is not important
1: I'm saying there's a time and a place for it. And mm. what I've found is when, when we come to our first you know, meeting together to discuss this package with you know with the requirements listed in the company template in the format, with all you know system shells, if that's the way you do it or, mm. or however it is, when it looks formal, people tend to think we're trying to agree on a document. Yeah. And that's not the idea I'm trying to, to get across. I'm trying to say we've got a problem. Let's discuss the problem. And these are the bullet points that represent the features that we know at this time mm. and that we think we need to delve in in a little bit more detail. I guess what I'm saying is when you, when you see the, you know, the company logo on top, you begin to shift into the approval mode and the formal wording mode, and you tend to focus a little bit more on the, on the verbiage mm. than on the content. And so what I, what I found, and uh, maybe it's just me, maybe it's a psychological thing, but by starting out informal, you get a lot better quality of dialogue and you really just build up to that. And before you know it, it's like, okay, we've, we agreed to the requirements. It's really just become the sum of the notes that we've taken as we, you know, collaborated around this original uh, bulleted list. And so all we have to do then is plug that into the template. Everyone has already agreed to it because they've already, you know, been part of the, the conversation from day one. And so then it's a smaller step. It's a smaller hop to, to, to tweak. And get that final wording. Yes, it is. It is important uh, that the wordsmithing and that everything else be done. Uh, but the most important thing is making sure that everyone understands.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's important, but it's it's not the ultimate emphasis. Exactly. And like you said it's important to maintain and establish that dialogue between you and the stakeholders so that you get the message across which is more important than you know creating a big wordsmith document
1: agreed agreed
0: so uh just to give us like a high level in terms of you know how you navigate or how you've navigated creating requirements packages and guide your team or, or, or the BAs that you mentor or coach, what would be your ideal critical path, if you will? Like somebody starting off, let's say, uh, having discussions, they create work products. At what point do you think it would be good to kind of establish that critical mass and start building that package? You
1: know, that that's a tough one, and and. Uh Really, what I think I've coached my team on is, and, and we're in a bit of a unique situation in that we have some projects that, that follow more of a traditional SDLC path. And then we also have a scrum team that's doing more of the you know agile type uh, requirements with stories and such. But the, the principles, at least in my mind, are the same across either. And that's, I think you know, and, and, and it's tough. It comes with experience being able to detect that thin uh, gray line between good enough and overkill you know I guess diminishing returns the point of diminishing returns and I think what I try to instill in my team members is a sensitivity for hey when when the team when the people that you're trying to provide requirements for uh... seem to have slowed down to the point where they seem to be comfortable and it looks like uh... there's a solid understanding and we probably have enough and to steal a line from uh... uh... mister weger's uh design can begin or proceed with an acceptable level of risk that's when we that's when we kind of back off but we, we don't rush through it I don't know that I ever tell uh, analysts that you should do it in three iterations or it should take X number of meetings it's just really being sensitive to hey d- do I have a, a pretty good you know feeling that the guys that are going to use this documentation understand what it is what it's saying oh and by the same token do the people that I've elicited the requirements from, also understand and agree to what we're trying to to move forward with
0: yeah absolutely so try and apply the team wisdom whenever possible to to whatever you have come up with and then take decisions
1: exactly yeah you know and it's interesting one of the things i've found and this maybe comes from my background and having dealt with a lot of traditional sdlc products where the business analysts will work ahead you know i've started trying to invite uh, the architect that I know is going to be involved with the project or, or encourage my analyst to invite the architect and the QI analyst to some of those really early elicitation sessions with a stakeholder mm. if they have time or interest to do so. And you know what I found is that they are very interested in understanding what the business is up to. And there is some tacit knowledge. You know, we hear this term bandied about sometimes. There are things that you hear in conversation that despite a BA's best efforts, don't make it that don't translate perfectly into documentation. So the earlier I've been able to get some of the key delivery stakeholders involved in the dialogue, the better quality uh, understanding we've had, the better quality requirements packages we've been able to produce. And that's not to say that the BA takes or, or hands over responsibility for producing requirements, but it means that by involving those folks early in the discussion, understanding is achieved more easily and more effectively
0: absolutely so engage uh, more experts in the beginning and and get more insights early on so that you you are prepared for anything being missed in future so
1: Absolutely, for for that and 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 again, you know, part of it is, you know, I don't know, if maybe we correctly assume sometimes that the that the QA analyst and the architect aren't necessarily interested in the business side. And what I found is, yes, they are, and they want to learn more about that. And so, in terms of of establishing uh, team relationships and team understanding, that's been effective for that as well.
0: Absolutely. So, in terms of practical and real world examples, um, uh, Jonathan. What are some of the things that you've used uh, to pr- to package requirements? I know we talked about the BRD and is there a specific format that you follow or I- is, is, is it a customized or, or something generic? In my
1: company we do have your standard business requirement, functional requirement uh, templates uh, and we've got system uh, documentation that we update. Uh, we also, as I mentioned, have a Scrum team which uses user stories and uh, a lighter weight documentation. Uh, we we support all of that, but I guess you know, really, we try to focus more on what does the team need, and and it really becomes a team decision. Uh, I think I've we may have actually spoken about this before, but and and it's. A little bit, you know, people will disagree here and there, but the way I envision it is the business analyst has an external customer, which is the business stakeholder or user of the solution, but also has an internal customer, those being the people that are going to take and, and use what we provide them to go ahead and build that solution. So uh, what I try to instill is a real sensitivity in my analysts of what do they need and let's let's customize it to suit. So it's not it's really not assembly line activity. I mean, sure, we can take the templates and we can conform to the templates, but what we really try to do is use those more as a guide, but really only provide what we think the particular, you know, people that are gonna use this to build or people that need to review it to sign off are gonna need. So yes, we do the uh, the functional, you know, your standard SRS type document. Uh, we really like uh, PowerPoints with lots of visuals and and flows to, to present to the users and the business stakeholders. Because to them, that means a whole lot more than 50 pages of the system shall. Yes. So yeah, a lot of that. We, we we try to, and again, a lot of the techniques that are in, I guess, chapter 9 of the BA book. we try to uh, to provide or try to give practice or try to understand as many techniques uh, for specifying requirements and, and different ways of modeling uh, so we can provide whatever would happen to work best for that particular group of stakeholders and for that particular project.
0: So. In essence, you really look at what's existing out there and, and try and customize it if the situation demands.
1: Yeah, because there is value in in having at least a a baseline template or a couple different approaches that that so everything doesn't look foreign to the people that are going to use it every time. Mm. There is some value in continuity, but um, you know to the degree that that. My analysts need to take and, and and do what needs to be done to you know achieve understanding. They understand that that's the goal. You know, the documentation is is just a vehicle, and and not necessarily even the best vehicle, but it's a vehicle that we use uh, to help you know folks understand what needs to be delivered and what needs to be built. And so, to to the extent that they need to customize or they need to add or remove the you know, they they do what they need to do
0: absolutely so if you have to go back to your projects jonathan and uh, tell our audience the one form of requirements package that worked perfectly or that worked so effectively that the the stakeholders were the stakeholders were on your side just looking at that in terms of you know the scope and, and the consensus aspect yes so I I, so I don't want to would,
1: cop out. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this to you again, Yamo. I think that there are two, and hmm. I'm thinking of a particular project where I did use cases. Hmm. I think that for the delivery team, uh, use cases well done, you know, written initially at the black box level, so they can be portable from technology to technology, with business rules, you know, captured, you know, separately or independently, um, and, and modeled with an activity diagram or, or what have you is very very valuable. And works very well for compartmentalizing, for breaking up into piece parts, uh, the flows and the functions for the delivery team. But by the same token, uh, that doesn't always work for your business stakeholders. And when we're talking about this requirements package, you know, we're talking about establishing understanding for business stakeholders, users, you know, all those stakeholders that are involved in the project. And so I think going back to that PowerPoint, if I can provide some rough sketches some visuals and some flows and provide it in a context that they understand that reflects more the way they interact with the system then I've seen a lot more value there so it we actually do a little bit more work once we've gotten those use cases done uh, to provide them to supplement them with some visuals and some simple flows you know with callouts to show what's going to be new what's going to be different and how mm-hmm. and uh, by by using those two together you know the use cases and the and the visuals, Uh, we've had some really good success.
0: So were these use cases part of another bigger document or those were it?
1: Uh, Actually our use cases in this case were part of uh, uh, project level documentation and the intent of our project level documentation is to live as long as the project. Mm -hmm. Now they are filed away and so they can be uh, reviewed and pulled up for later use. But what eventually happens to that project-level documentation is it gets added to system-level documentation, which is used by you know support personnel, uh, by people that are going to create the next project that needs to touch or uh, you know use that functionality, because the project-level documentation doesn't necessarily represent uh, the whole of the system. It only represents what's changing for that particular project. So what we try to be careful and diligent about is making sure that once those those project-level uh, requirements are implemented; that they are updated into the system documentation, which is more sort of your uh, your uh, encyclopedia, if you will, of what the system does and what it is, and uh, and that type of thing.
0: So, more like a user training type documentation.
1: Uh, it, it's uh, in our case, it's really more technical, but it is useful to the support personnel. Um, and And our analysts do actually help with some of the you know the documentation that goes out to field users and some of the training. Uh, but when I say the system-level documentation, it's really the uh, the sum of all the use cases, the rules, the flows that, uh, you know, the entire system uses. And so it's really kind of, all of our project-level documentation eventually flows up into that system uh, set of documentation that becomes sort of the user, or not really the user guide, but the, the IT, you know, delivery mm-hmm. team's guide sure. to this is how it works.
0: Absolutely. So does this uh, take shape of, like, a portal or is it another big package
1: it's uh yeah it's uh i would call it a big package it's broken up by by features and functional areas and there uh, are various documents for the various functional areas that, uh, that the system
0: performs sure. so more like chapters Sorry. right
1: right well yeah and the, the thing that we like about that is that there's a lot of emphasis on you know especially in, in agile development to do your document documentation keep it lightweight just good enough to make it you know to 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 enable the team to deliver a a a solid solution but what we see in a lot of uh uh, cases where with a more traditional sdlc is we're trying to make those documents so detailed that they can have a life beyond the project and by having that set of system documentation we understand and we accept that the documentation that we're doing for the project has a life And it will be until the project is delivered. And then it's the job of the project team to make sure that that information is propagated to the system documentation so, you know, for future use.
0: Absolutely. So, Jonathan, if you have to give us three tips um, in terms of the the challenges that, that one could face while preparing requirements package, what comes to your mind?
1: I guess maybe just to recap a little bit what we've talked about is don't try to get too formal too fast when it comes to, to documenting and preparing that requirements package it's okay to come with a few bullets and discuss those until we really have a solid understanding and then just take what we've discussed and let that you know develop into the to the more detailed and formal documents um, I guess another would be to um, you know, make sure that we we provide team members uh, the opportunity to participate in the early discussions. We have actually found that we we try not to begin a project. You know, before when we were in a more traditional SDLC, the BA would work a project or two sometimes ahead of the the delivery team. We've tried to really make it so those delivery team members that are you know member of that team and that work stream are able to participate up front. And what we found is is that the team has a lot more solid understanding for not only preparing the requirements package but as a as a springboard for delivering the solution and collaborating together throughout and so there that's a couple i guess yeah. really the the third is that you know not don't get too hung up on a template you know, like I said, there are so many tools and, and some may be appropriate for some projects and some stakeholders, uh, some may not. And so although you may have one that's your pet, you know, model or pet diagram, it, it, it serves any business analyst well to diversify and to learn about a lot of the good tools that are out there that are available and, and to try to learn which ones are appropriate and when. Because at the end of the day, it's not about creating uh, the SRS. It's about creating that shared understanding.
0: I think that's a wonderful closing thought, Jonathan. Thanks a lot for being on the Bok Talk. It was great to have you on the show.
1: Thank you. I had a lot of fun, Yamo.
0: Well, I hope you've enjoyed the packaging of all the insights in this episode and took away all the valuable lessons and tips to create better requirements packages. If you wish to leave a comment or ask a question about anything we discussed in this episode, please visit thebacoach.com forward slash episode 34, the number 34. And as a reminder, please don't forget to download your first free chapter of the CBAP CCBA audio guide by visiting www.theultimatekit.com. That's it from this episode, folks. I will see you on thebacoach.com. Bye for now.